us shouldn't even be here today, Lord. But you've been faithful, God. You've brought us through every trial and every storm. You said, Lord, when the waters raise up against us, you'll make a way, God, in the flood. If the fire tries to burn us, Lord, you'll bring us through the fire. You've done that for so many of us. Lord, you're faithful to show up. You said that you would show up and be our God, that you would walk amongst us, that you would be in us, and that we would be your people and you would be our God. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Just faithful, God, to show up in our, in our struggles, to show up in our storms, to show up in our trials. Lord, today we just say thank you. We, we, we know, Lord, that we wouldn't even be here breathing if it wasn't for you. We give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you for your presence today. Everything we need is inside of your presence right now. We open up to your presence, God. And we say we thank you that you've been so faithful to us. We don't take it for granted, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, come on, give God praise this morning. Real loud, if you believe he's faithful. We're a loud church. Come on, church isn't fun unless we're loud. Look at somebody as you grab your seat and say, you better say something. The Bible says that the redeemed of the Lord say so. And so we have something to say. And I think that uh, God is an exciting God, a passionate God. And I, I say it each week. I keep trying to teach and, 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 and train and, and, and direct and lead our, our church. We're, we're an upfront culture. We lead from the front. We have passion in the front. We think that uh, the Bible says that Judah went first. So all every, every battle in the Bible, Judah was the, the tribe of praise. The Bible says they went first. And so there's this praise, there's this engagement of battle that comes through passion and excitement and praise and, and response. And so if you're new to our community, we're kind of a loud, passionate, responsive community. And so we've been gathering around uh, the Word of God in the book of James. We've already had about uh, seven people, I think, today give their life to Christ and say yes to eternity. And so, uh, just so, so awesome to be uh, a part of kingdom that's advancing and seeing God just, just really save the souls of people. That's the greatest miracle that we could ever see. We, we're um, looking at some essentials, a series called The Essentials. Last week, we looked at uh, trials. We're looking in the book of James. James is a gangster and uh, says things that like a lot of people don't say or, or, you know, James just says it like he gets to it. And then kind of throws some blows, throws some punches at us. And, um, and James, a lot of people think the book of James is uh, talking about like uh, works, like you need to do more works, do more works. And, you know, the, the faith without works is dead. James is not uh, contradicting, contradicting Paul's message of, of faith. The book of James is all about faith. And what James is actually doing is saying that, that you, you need your faith to mature. Not, not that, that it's not a, a book about works. There's works in there, but it's more about growth of our faith, like what grows faith, what matures us. He was speaking to individuals that were believers, that were bragging about their faith. I believe in Jesus, come to church on Sunday, but weren't living their faith out on Monday through Saturday. And so uh, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He is, um, uh, really wasn't a believer when Jesus was on the planet, but then when his brother um, dies and and. and, and you know, resurrects from the dead, he becomes a believer and is one of the greatest leaders of the New Testament church, the Jerusalem church that we, we know of. And so his book predates Paul's epistles by five years. And so many theologians have tried to teach throughout the years that James was actually trying to countermand or, or, or contradict 
Paul's teaching, um, Paul taught heavy on faith and grace because he was speaking to people uh, that were stuck in law and religion. James is not contradicting that. He's coming alongside. Actually, he speaks before Paul ever wrote, and he gives us this message about faith. So really, it's about maturing our faith. Last week, we looked at trials, and then James says you need wisdom when you're facing trials. Because uh, how many know that you know, trials come at all of us? And, and, and James said, don't try to get out of trials too early that they actually produce strength inside of you and mature you and they're helping grow your faith. Don't just try to escape from trials. We all try to get out of stuff. I get it, but James is saying it's a gift from God. Trials are a gift. And then he, and then he goes in from, from trials and say, you need wisdom for trials, but then he shifts to temptation. So we're gonna look at temptation this week because we need wisdom to handle temptation. And James shows us kind of the wisdom of, the in, of, of God on handling the enemy's strategy of temptation against us. So Satan is, is really coming after you and I, studying us, and, and James gives us a look into the kind of the film room or a, the, the locker room of Satan's strategy to show us what to do and how this works. And, and so I think that some of the things in James chapter 1 are very pertinent. Some of you in the, are in the test of your life right now. Some of you are being tempted so much right now. Some of you, maybe you've, some of you have given him to temptation but James wants to teach us how to really uh, combat that. And so let's look at James chapter 1, verse 13 through 18. And uh, next week, we're going to look at the truth of God's word. You know, the verse that says, without uh, your faith is, is dead without works. We're going to look at the truth of, of putting God's word into, into application. And then the week after that, we're going to look at the tongue. Come on. So we're looked at trials. We're going to look at temptation this week. Next week, we're going to look at the truth. And then the week after that, the tongue. Come on. Somebody say, help me with the tongue. Anybody? <laughs> The tongue is, 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 gets us all in trouble. So was, these are some of the essentials of our faith to help us really mature. James says this in verse 13, chapter 1, verse 13 through 18. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot tempt, be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. And so there's this intimate language, conceive and giving birth. And, and it's talking about this progression. Once sin is full grown, like sin can actually grow. Like the enemy gets you with a little thing and then it can grow and then it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. It's one of my favorite verses. What he's saying is that God is good and perfect. And he never varies from good and perfect, not even so much as a shadow or a hint of a shadow. There's no variation, no shadow of turning in his goodness. Some of you need to understand how good God is. Some of you have been brought up on teachings uh, that really have given you a false representation of how good God is. Jesus is better than you think. And, and God is good. The cross is proof of his goodness. The, 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 the way that he went and died and rose again for us is his good. God is good. He's not mad at humanity. He's not judging humanity. He's not angry at humanity. He is madly in love with humanity. And the cross proves that. We have, we've had so much indoctrination over the years in the church that God's mad and God's judging and you better watch out. So when I talk to you today about temptation and sin and those things, it's not from the standpoint that God is mad and that God is judging. Uh, Isaiah 54 says, uh, quoting uh, the scripture in the, in, the, in the context right after Isaiah 53, chapter 53 is what the cross was. Isaiah 54 is commentary on 53. And Isaiah 54 says, behold, I will never be angry with you again. It says, Father God, 
I will never rebuke you, it actually says. He says, this is like the waters of Noah to me. So I have sworn I will never flood the earth again. So I swear to never be angry with you, nor rebuke you. Our Father. Now, Jesus, our big brother, who's God as well, he'll correct us and direct us and Holy Spirit. But, but the heart of our Father is good, and he gives good and perfect gifts. And some of us need to get that into our heart. Of his own will, verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that, he might be a, uh, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, or uh, one translation says, the crown of his creation. We're the highest apex of his creation. We're the crown of God's glory, the crown of creation. My title for today is simply this, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Look at somebody say, don't take the bait. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for Holy Spirit surgery today. We thank you for Holy Spirit precision today. We thank you, God, that uh, you give us wisdom to handle temptation. You give us wisdom to handle Satan's schemes and his tricks. Lord, that we're not going to be unaware of how he operates. Give us insight. Show us Jesus, Holy Spirit, so we can become more like him. We thank you for strength and wisdom today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Don't take the bait. I uh, don't love fishing, but I go every now and then with my kids. I like deep sea fishing, you know, and so I've never caught much around here, anything, I think, in Knoxville, um, but I don't go to the right spots probably, don't have the right bait, but going deep sea fishing is amazing. I've been a couple times, been like three or four times, uh, once or twice, caught nothing, most horrible trip you could ever imagine, on a boat for hours in the heat, catching nothing, paying a lot of money, $300, $400, catching nothing, and the captain, you know, he's just like, man, this is how it happens. I'm like, no, I hired you so that didn't happen, you know. And uh, I'm not going to give you a good review on Yelp. Um, and so that's frustrating. <laughs> and, uh, and then I went to one of those party boats. Anybody been on one of those party boats? That's, that's a nightmare. A hundred people all drunk, throwing up over, uh, you know, seasick and drunk. Lines crossed and tangled. Lines going under the boat. And it's like, this is fun fishing. This is horrific. This, I mean, I want, if I'm going to pay money to go fishing, I want somebody to bait my hook, you know, put my pole in the water, do all that for me. You know, I'm paying all that. And I just want to reel it in, right? And so we did one of those fishing trips last year. My son and I, we went. My third, uh, my other son got sick, couldn't go. So it was just my son and I, my dad. And uh, it was one of these half-day trips. Captain Danny took us out. And uh, Captain Danny had great reviews. And uh, so I'm believing we're going to catch some good fish, go out in one of these little boats. It's about a 12-foot or 15-foot boat. We're in Amelia Island. We go out in the water. And uh, about 7.30 a.m., we rallied and uh, began to go out. $400 for half a day, so $100 an hour. Um, and so the time's ticking. Clock's going. I want to catch some fish, right? And it's 7.30, and Captain Danny's like, we got to go get some bait first. I'm like, we got to go get some bait. I'm like, bro, you're the captain. Like, you got poles? He's like, what do you got? You know, he's like, we'll get bait. I'm like, oh, well, all right. I mean, he's like, oh, so you're going to trust me. You're not going to be upset about it. We'll get, we'll get some bait. So we drive like 30 minutes in the opposite direction of where we're fishing, show up into this area right off the, right off the coast, right off the shore. And he just stops the boat. He's like, okay, we'll get some bait. I'm like, dude, what are we doing? I'm like, I'm thinking this guy is just tired of fishing. He does it every day. You know, he's just trying to, he just takes a hundred bucks for that hour and says, you know, we were looking for bait. Like you do this to everybody. I'm not no dumb tourist. You know what I'm saying? And so he's like, no, man, it's good. I was like, are you sure? Because I asked him, I'm like, dude, come on, man. He's like, no, we got to get, get some bait. And so he's looking, he's like, shh. I'm like, shh, it ain't deer. Like, we're looking for fish. <laughs> he's like, he's looking into water. You know, he starts looking out the way. He's like, you see him? I'm like, I don't see anything. He's like, sit right up there. He's, and he pulls out like this Old Testament net and like tosses the thing in the water. I'm like, dude, what? And I can't even catch anything with a harpoon. You know, this dude's throwing a net. 
He starts pulling in. Nothing's in the, nothing's in the net. I'm like, dude, you got it. He's like, no, no, no. I'm sitting, we'll catch them. Hold on. Give me, just give me a few more minutes. Man, it's been 45 minutes, dude. We lost an hour. He's like, you're, gonna, you're not going to regret it. And we keep on. He keeps drifting down. He goes, there's some right there. And he casts the net in. And pulls that thing in. And the whole net comes up with live fish, just these little live bait. I don't know what kind of fish they were. I don't know. They were mullet or something. But he pulls those in, puts them in a bucket. He's like, we're good to go now. I'm like, all right. So then we drive to where we're going. And he comes to this spot. And there's only one or two boats around. And uh, he says, man, there's about a big old school of redfish down there. We're going to start catching those. And he starts you know, throwing the, the lines in. And I'm telling you, we just start hitting. He goes, just wait. As soon as they get down to a certain depth, you're going to get it. And they fight. And we were catching 40-pound redfish for about an hour straight, three of us. And we're, and we're rotating rods. I couldn't even reel the rod in anymore. And he's catching and handing the rod to me. And I'm trying to reel it. And I'm handing it to my son. And we're, just, we're just pulling in fish, man. It's, it, was the mo- it was the coolest experience I ever had. As we start catching fish, these other boats start crowding around. They're catching nothing, man. And they're getting ticked off. And the, there's this fisherman etiquette. I start feeling like this anger flaring up. And the boats are closing in on us. And Captain Danny starts cussing at some of the guys. I'm like, it's on now. This is our hole. They're bumping boats a little bit. I'm like, what's going on? You know, I'm ready to get in the fray. What's up, Danny? I'm with you, man. We're catching fish. <laughs> and so... And so, and then Danny says some words. They say some words. It's like, get up off our boat, man. Back up off our spot. I'm like, this is our spot. That's what I'm talking about. I can't even catch any more fish. My arms are already burnt out. It's just principle at this point, you know. And they start, they start backing up. And then Danny kind of, he's a nice guy. He's like, man, I'm sorry. After we call the fish, he's like, hey, come here, man. Come here. He pulls up next to the guy's boat. And they'd have some choice words. So he felt bad. He's like, hey, bro, come on, you know. I'm captain all that. He's just, I get it. Y'all don't have the right bait. And so here, take here's some live bait, man. And we went and got it this morning. He gave him this bucket. And it was like a bucket of live bait. It was like the, the makeup, you know, the apology uh, with the bucket of bait. And so we pull off. We cut all these red fish. And Danny's like, man, this, these fish, what happens is, he goes, the, the, this area and those red fish down there, they're never used to seeing live bait down there. And so when we go get those live bait and drop them down there, they are going to bite those things all day long, just like you saw. If we didn't have those, we wouldn't have caught one fish. Those fish aren't used to seeing that bait, and so they'll bite it all day. And, and here's what you need to know. Satan is studying you, studying your life, studying your trends, studying the tides of where you swim, studying the circumstances, and trying to figure out what kind of bait makes you bite. He's trying to figure out what you like. And, and there's times when you go, why is that bait in my water? Why is that thing still lurking under my life? Why is that there? Because there's temptation that the enemy's trying to figure out how to use to put in front of you to get you to bite. We've got to know his strategies. It's life and death to understand temptation. And James is talking about temptation. Literally, life and death with t- t- temptation can mean like you could be addicted for the next 10 years to something or you couldn't. Or, or you could have to visit your kids every other weekend, or you won't ever go there. Or, or you might have a disease, or you might not. I mean, that's the temptation, and the things the enemy tries to bait us with is really life and death, and we've got to know his strategy, because Satan is evil, and he's really trying to use these things to destroy our life. And my, my message to you is simple today. I can sum it up and stop preaching right now, but it's just don't take the bait. Just don't bite the bait. Like, like there's, this, there's this desire... That the enemy wants to use. And this is what James says in verse 13. He says, when tempted, when tempted, not if, when. You and I are going to be tempted until we face Jesus, until we stand face to face. We've got flesh. And there's going to be temptations. There's going to be things in our life that try to pull us away. And James says, when tempted. And you need to write this down. Temptation is a certainty, not a sin. 
Some of you think just because you're tempted, it's, it's sin, and because we struggle with temptation, sometimes we can tend to think, and the enemy wants to beat us up and go, you're not even a Christian, and you're distant from God, and you're not right with God, and you're struggling with temptation, and you think it's, it's this sin in your life. Can I tell you that struggle with, with temptation is not sin, it's proof of your salvation? Your struggle is proof that you're saved. It's proof that you've given your life, that you've got this, this temptation, this struggle on the inside going, you know, I don't, this isn't what I'm supposed to want. I don't, I'm, I'm tempted, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. Jesus was tempted in every area, but never gave in. Come on, we, just, just because you're tempted doesn't mean that you're sinful. You can be praying and have a crazy thought go through your head and you're thinking, man, I'm not even saved. No, 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 no. You are saved. It's, it's proof of it. Let me say this. If you're not struggling, if you're not tempted, then you're probably walking in the same direction as Satan. If you're not going head to head, if you're not going head to head with the enemy, with temptations you face and struggling with them and fighting them, not that we don't ever mess up or we just don't roll over and die in it. We don't give in to it. But if you're, just, if you're just walking with ease in those areas, then you're probably walking in the direction that the enemy's walking. And you're probably hand in hand, partnered with him in a way. And so James has given us this insight. He says, listen, God tempts no one. This, this, somehow we've taken this as like a theological statement. Like God tempts nobody. God's not the tempter. It's not a theological statement. It's a practical expression of our faith. God doesn't tempt you. What is James saying? He's trying to get you to discern with the thing that you're facing right now, that God is not in that. That's the expression of faith. Some of you are being so tempted right now by certain things, and James is saying, no, 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 God will test you, but he'll never tempt you. God is not in this. You, your, your own desires, these are your own temptations. They're from inside of you. It's not God. Some of you are facing a shady business deal right now, and God isn't in that. Some of you are facing black and white with your, with your words and you're getting in the gray area and it might be taxes or it might be your money or it might be story you're telling a spouse or a friend or there's certain things and details and it's shady. Some of you are, are there and God's not in that. Some of you are prone to gossip and giving in because the Bible says all of our tongues get us in trouble and gossip's like choice morsels, morsels of food and we like to eat them and it goes down into our stomachs and we'd like to digest it and God's saying God's not in that. James is saying, listen, God's not tempting you. He's not in that. Some of you got that phone number still saved in your phone. And you know you got it there for a lonely day. God's not in that. Some of you still tempted to talk to somebody that's not your spouse. God's not in that. Some of you are tempted to go to that bar, go to that pill, or you've got that pill hidden for that tough day or that just-in-case moment or that bottle hidden for that just-in-case day. Come on, God's not in that. That's, that's what it means by God doesn't tempt us. And, and here's the point, not to judge anybody. We all have our things. It's this. If God's not in it, then get out of it. It's simple. People tell me all the time, well, you don't preach on sin enough at Transformation Church. Well, welcome to today. <laughs> welcome. And then the people that say that are going to leave this sermon and go, he talks too much, too mean on sin. It's, and it's not, it's not judgment. It's just James giving us insight into the enemy, saying just if God's not in it, get out of it. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not tempted. James, the Bible says this, that the temptation, the temptations that you face aren't from God. It says that they're actually from your desires. That all temptation comes from you. 
and inside of you and inside of me. Like, no, wait a minute. I go to Transformation Church twice a month and pay my tithes and lift my hands. and I love Hillsong. I sing oceans. You know, I mean, James says, no, it's pretty much from you. It's your desires. It's your lusts. It's your cravings. And it's the things on the inside of you. And he says, listen, don't say it's God when you're tempted. It's your own desire. Here's several factors to escape temptation. Three things. Very simple. Number one, look ahead. Look ahead. Consider the outcome. When you're being tempted, like just decide, I'm going to look ahead. I got two boys. Uh, they're in their teen years now. And for throughout the years, I'd look out in the backyard and they would do stuff that was so stupid. I'm like, what are they doing? I would have, there would be ladders and trees. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, that's not going to end well. I know that. I can see it. You know, there's things on fire, like oil cans into the fire they make, like explosions and that. I'm like, that's not just, you, you, and I'll say, did, were you, what were you thinking? Well, it's proven fact that boys' brains don't think until they're like 21 years old. There's, a synop- there's, there's actually neurons that aren't even connected yet. It's true. Like the maturity of the brain in, the, in a certain uh, cerebral cortex isn't developed. So when you say, what were you thinking? And you got to give us grace, guys, because we weren't. For all you parents dealing with teenagers and young boys, it's like the brain. I mean, and, you know, sometimes it can take a little longer to develop because I remember somebody coming to our house to pick their kids up. And my wife was out of town and we had made a flamethrower with a super soaker and lighter fluid. And it was, it was awesome. My wife was like, we got video of it. I couldn't deny it because my kids filmed it. You know, <laughs> we're flamethrowing. I'm like, you know, it was all it was it was strong, you know. But my wife's like, what were you thinking? I'm like, I wasn't. That'd be cool. You know, when you're, when you're facing temptation, like, really, look ahead. Like, where is this leading? What's this look like? How, what is, what's going to be the end of this? I mean, just think. Like, there's a process to this. Here's the process. We think sin is like one simple act. Like, I just did this. No, no, no. James says it's a process. There's four stages. The first stage, every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desire. Stage one is desire. That there's desires inside of you. And, and all desire is not bad. Hear me. If you never had a desire for food, then, then you'd be dead. You know, and you get hungry and desire food. If you never had a desire for sex or we never had a desire for sex, there'd be no humans on the planet. You know, there'd be no sunshine, laughter or joy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> like you're going to go there, Jamie. Yeah, we're going. We're going to go all the way there. Right. It says there'd be no there'd be no life on the planet. Nothing to live for. You know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Sex is a, is a weapon for good or evil. Come on, somebody. God gave it to us as a gift. And so, I mean, we, could, we can use it as a, a weapon for good. And I, I, I think there's desires that we have. All desires aren't bad. Here's what sin is. When you try to satisfy a desire outside of God's design. So when you begin to want to satisfy something in your flesh or in your cravings that's outside of God's design. Um, if you went to buy a car, you'd want to get a nice car that ran well. The manufacturer would make the car to run a certain way. There's principles of design on the car. And just because you like orange juice, love orange juice, I like orange juice in the morning. It gets my day going. Run a little bit. Run on orange juice a little bit. It peps me up. I like it. You bought your new car. You want your new car to drive. And you come to me and decide, since you desire orange juice, that you're going to run your new car on orange juice. You think it's going to get the car started right in the morning. I'm going to look at you and say, you're insane. You lost your mind. The car's going to blow up the first time you do it, right? Because you, you superseded the car's design by your own desire. 
We do it all the time as humans, as Christians. We think that our life is on fire for some reason or why is our life blowing up? Because you've decided to give in to your desire overarching God's design. God designed us a specific way. He designed you and you've got desires and those desires begin to lead you. You need to write this down. Don't allow your own desire to replace God's design. And you know what God's design is. We know. Come on, we got a whole book. We got 66 books giving us God's design, how he made us and how he designed us. Stage two is deception. Stage one is desire. And then here's what the enemy does. He takes us to deception. Verse 114, it says, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and, and enticed. The word drawn away and enticed is the word for a hunter that would lure its prey or for a fisherman that would bait the hook or a trap that's being set, enticed, it's deception, it's drug away, it's lured, it's enticed. Think about the lures that fishermen use. They're all types of colors. They're shiny. They're beautiful. There's multiple hooks. A lot of times the, the fisherman hides the hook. He doesn't just show the hook. He doesn't just put an empty hook out there in the water. It's not just an empty hook. It's this enticing. Some of the things that hooked you the most and hooked me the most deceived me the best. Come on, some of the things that have hooked you in your life the most tricked you the best. And so there's this stage of deception where the enemy wants to come at you and lure you and put this worm out there, but you don't see the hook. You're kind of seeing the shiny, but not the hook, not the danger in it. I fished with my kids, and we fished with those dough balls when they were young, put a little dough ball on the hook. Come on, any dads that have been dough ball dads? Come on, somebody. And uh, I never caught one thing with a dough ball, ever. First service, a couple people said, yeah, I caught a couple bluegill. I'm like, those ain't fish. You know, I'm just kidding. You catch a 40-pound red, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but Satan's not throwing a dough ball out in front of you to try to get your attention. I mean, maybe it's a, a, a donut, you know. Uh, but it's not a, But he's going he's gonna to fish in front of your face with something that's attractive to you, something that you crave. A fish never says, man, I, look at that dough. It looks good. They want a worm. They want, they want live bait. They want something that they've seen. And so Satan is trying to come at us and put things in front of us and deceive us and dangle it in front of our face. Right now, there's some things dangling in front of your face that you don't see the hook on. Could be stress. Could be worry. Could be anger. Could be pornography, pop-up stuff. It, it blows my mind. Listen, there, there, there are hooks hanging could be a meal could be a, it could be a hamburger it could be could be uh, you know it could be a donut i don't know what it, he's dangling in front of your face you know uh, it just blows my mind that we don't put ourselves in, in more accountability especially uh, i've said this each service you know that one in 3 christian men are addicted to pornography and this isn't a judgment thing but it's like like why went, would you if you're if you're dealing with something at such a level why would you not and, and women deal with it on a high level too in our culture now why would you not just put something called covenant eyes on your computers and your, and your laptops and your phones that gives a report to your spouse or to your friend, uh, accountability partner, that lets every website know, somebody know every website you went to? You know, they're, they're, you're having these things dangled in front of your face, and there's solutions to these things, and, and, you, and you don't see the hook. And God's just saying, just, just see it. Just understand. This can be deception. Don't, don't get into that. Some of you young people, you got Satan all in your DMs. You got, uh, you, yeah, got quiet for a second. So, some of y'all got stuff in your DMs that you know that you're, you're, you're trolling, but Satan's fishing. What you think is a hookup is really a hook. <laughs> and God is saying, no, 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 you're deceived. You're deceived. Don't bite. Stage three is disobedience. 
Just straight up disobedience. It says this, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. There's a progression. It says that evil desires give birth to evil actions, and evil actions actually give birth to sin, and sin brings death, which is a murderer. It says that desire actually figures out a way to take the bait. And then once it takes the bait, sin is conceived, and then this little baby uh, called a murderer is born, which is sin which wants to kill our future, kill our families, kill our relationships, kill what God has best in our life, kill our dreams, kill our promise. I mean, it's, it's crazy to see how the enemy works and the progression he brings to us. Evil desires lead to evil actions, then birth sin, then a killer is born. Man, I just, I just wish we could be a church and people and myself and all of us just say, I'm going to stop giving in. I'm going to stop just rolling over in it you know like not that we don't fail or fall come on but the bible says the righteous get up seven times every time we fall we get back up that's what's so good about god we can repent we can come home anytime we can say sorry anytime we can say god i need your help anytime i need wisdom god i don't want to be deceived i don't want to be tricked y'all follow me today paul says that anytime we face temptation that god actually provides a way out in corinthians so you can't just say well it was just too much It was just too heavy. It was just too stressful. Just fell into it. People say all the time, just fell into it. Now you had to take a lot of stuff off before you fell into that. (laughs) It wasn't like, ta-da, you know, birthday suit. No. (laughs) You had (laughs) deception, stage three. Stage four, death. Just as our own desires conceive and they give birth to sin, and once sin is full grown, it brings forth death. It's this baby called a killer. It's called sin, and it grows. Once sin is full grown, then there's death. And, and this, hear this. We all have our own particular thing, okay? Don't judge anybody. This isn't a message to look around and be like, you, you got that. No, no. Some people like chocolate. Some people like Doritos. You know what I'm saying? Some people like alcohol. Some people like pills. Some people got pornography. Some people are passive aggressive. Some pe- Come on. Your thing might not be a bottle, but you're bitter. Your thing might not be, you know, you know, stress, but, but, but maybe, you know, you say God's in control, but you passively aggressively control everybody around you. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's, different, there's different things, and so it's not a judgment thing. It's like you got to know your thing. Like, what's your thing? What's the enemy coming after you on? What do you need to get your guard up about? What do you need to be ready for? Many of you, I don't know, I'm dating myself with my generation, but Nintendo, any Nintendo players in here? Come on, Nintendo. Any Mike Tyson punch-out people? Mike Tyson punch out. And, 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 and you know this, like in Mike Tyson punch out, there's different levels and you had to fight different boxers and every boxer had a secret way to beat them. The first one was Glass Jaw Joe and he was easy to beat. You can just knock him out. It was no problem. Then you got up to one guy called King Hippo. I remember King Hippo, this big old huge dude and you couldn't knock him down. If you tried to punch him, he wouldn't fall down, but he had this special move where you could hit him in the stomach and if you hit him in the stomach at a specific time, his pants would fall down and he couldn't, he couldn't put, so he grabbed his pants and as his pants were down, he's in his underwear and you just hit him in the head like 10 times and he falls over and can't get back up because he's too heavy to get up that was king hippo and then there's one guy called soda popinski he had this move and i think like he if you try to just fight him head on you couldn't fight him and they would destroy you every time but soda popinski he would actually look at you and he would bat his eyes or do some little kind of thing and then once you once he batted his eyes a certain way you knew he was going to throw these these big huge uppercuts and so once he batted his eyes you would dodge left right left and after he punched all the times then you could just knock him out with these left and right hooks 
Mike Tyson had this little thing at the very end where he'd shuffle his feet, shuffle his feet, shuffle his feet. And when he did that, you knew he was going to charge you and throw these punches and you had to dodge a certain way and then you could knock him out. Every one of these opponents had a specific weak spot, a specific technique to knock out. Satan is studying you, finding your specific weak spot, finding the way to punch you or knock you out, trying to figure it out. The point is this, be ready. Know that you have that. Like, what is it for you? We're never going to get rid of it until we go to heaven. Like, we're never, we're going to be tempted until the day we die. I mean, like, like there's temptations. We get to heaven and we see Jesus face to face and finally the flesh is renewed and we don't deal with that any longer. But until we go to heaven, we're fighting this battle. So, so here's the, the first thing is just, is just, you know, look ahead, like, like be wise and look at the progression of, of those stages. And then the second thing, James gives us the answer to temptation in several more verses, verse 16 to 17. He says this, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Number two, simply look around. When you're tempted, would you just, just look around? Eve was, was tempted by Satan. This is the first temptation we see. It happened in the garden in a perfect environment. She's with her husband, and they've got every fruit tree. They've got all the animals. They're in tropical paradise on, a, on their own private nude beach in paradise. Come on, somebody. With all the fruit they could eat, no work. All they had to do was landscape a few trees and, and keep the garden nice. You know what I'm saying? And hang out with God and walk around and populate the planet. Come on, Come on somebody. <laughs> Who could deal with that life? You know what I mean? I mean, thank you, Jesus. Say, Satan shows up and looks at Eve and says, hey, has God said you can't eat from this tree? She's like, yeah, if we eat from it, we'll die. And Satan says, no, God knows that the minute you eat from it, you'll be like him. Well, wait a minute. Adam and Eve were like God. They were already in God's image. They already had a garden. They already had paradise. They already had everything they needed. They had it all. Satan went after the one thing that they weren't supposed to touch and, God, and said, God is not good and God is holding out on you. God's not letting you have fun. God's not letting you be like him. God's not letting you have this tree. God's not giving you the info. God is holding out on you. And they began to doubt God's goodness. And the minute you begin to doubt God's goodness, because Satan will come to you and get you to look at everything that you don't have and look at the one thing and the other gifts that they have and the other businesses they have and the church they have or the, the spouse they have or the kids they have. And he'll get you and tempt you to look at that one thing and try to get you to doubt his goodness so that you'll begin to live contrary to your design. That's his point of trying to get you to doubt God's goodness. And I would just say to you, just look around. When temptation is facing you or fighting you, you're tempted to gossip or complain or argue or backbite or want something else or take that pill or satisfy that desire. Just look around at what you do have. Look around at the blessings and you're in your right mind and you're clothed and you have a good church and a good family and a good city and a good blessing and freedom and just look around. I think that's a solution to, to some of the temptation we face is we just decide, I'm going to look around and see what God's given me. And I know you might not feel it all the time. I don't feel it all the time. Come on, I got a little bathroom in my house with one sink. That makes for a lot of problems for a wife and I. In my, in my master bathroom, we, didn't, we renovated the rest of the house, but not the master bathroom. And every time I walk into that, I'm like, man, this sucks. <laughs> just one sink. Like, and I'm complaining. I go online and start looking at like, I'm like, we're looking at, we're going to sell the house. We're selling. We can make some money. And she's like, baby, calm down. We, we can, it's okay. We've got enough going on in our life, you know. 
It's like, I need a radical life change every 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, we're selling the house. She's like, no, we're not. I'm like, man, can we just get a two sinks? You know, can you just move out over here while I do my hair for a second? You know, it's just, but the reality is, I mean, we're so blessed. We're so blessed. Like, I, I look around. I, I go, I pull, I make it a point. I'm like, just walk into the stuff that I have and thank God, you know? It would, it would solve a lot of the things that you might not think you have, even though you don't believe it. I, I'm telling you, if you just know that God is good, focus on the good. And the last one, when you're tempted, look within. Look within. Look, look, look ahead. Look around. Look within. Verse 18 says this, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits or of his creatures or a crown of his creation. And look within it who you are. Like God has birthed you by his word. You are the highest order of creation in God. You are God's crowning glory, God's honor. It says, the Bible says in the Psalms that you're above the angels. That, that, that God, you're made in splendor. And just think of the intricacies and the creation of who we are. Just look within it what God's done in your heart. And you might not be where you want to be, but you're further than where you were. Come on, God's done a lot in your heart. And when you're tempted, man, look within and go, man, who am I? God, thank you for making me an overcomer and a believer and strong in my faith and a warrior for God. And I'm over, and I'm looking within. You don't see eagles down in the mud, do you? You see chickens scratching at the ground. Well, that's not who we are. Eagles are soaring and flying. I was telling my son the other day, he came home and uh, he bought a pair of $100 shoes. I'm going to close up and then pray for you. Bought a pair of $100 shoes. Harachis from the goat app about a hundred dollars I was like man those are nice man he had them for about two months all white some black stripes on them looking sharp he can't he's out I come home he comes in the house he's out there moving logs in the backyard in the creek and doing some yard work we were making him do with his hundred dollar Harachis on I looked at him he came, I was like son what are you I was like what are you thinking and he's I'm not you know <laughs> He didn't say that. That's what I'm like, that's what I thought. I'm like, what are you, son, those are $100 shoes. Like, you know, you don't want to get those dirty. Like, you want to take care of those. You get your work shoes on, put your yard shoes on. Da, 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 da. These are $100 shoes. And, and, and he bought the shoes with his own money. So the first thing out of his mouth is, I bought them with my own money. Doesn't matter. And I was like, well, well, as a dad, like, I need to train you, teach you, coach you. Like, if you buy something nice, you take care of it. I take care of my shoes. I have them for years. Like, take care of your shoes. He's like, no, these ain't that much. These ain't that much. These ain't that good. I'm like, they're $100. You don't even have a job. $100 shoes. They're good. That's not expensive. You know, I'll go find mine for a deal for 35 bucks somewhere. You know what I mean? Marty and Liz, come on, somebody. I'm a shoe guy. I'm like, son, son, you can't. And so he's resisting me, and I'm going back at him. He's resisting me. I'm like, son, these are, you can't. They're muddy. Like, just change your shoe. These are, he's like, I paid for them with my own money, dad. I'm like, and then I kind of went gangster on him. I'm like, uh-huh. You did, did you? You paid for them with your own money, huh? You did. That's right. That's right. I said, but whose connections got you that little yard job to make that little $25 and who has an address that your little birthday money can show up to? Me. I was like, you, I pay for a house with an address on it and a little mailbox out there. And all your little friends and family that send you that money, really they can do it because I enabled you to get everything that you got in your life. So don't wear them out, son. He went his way. I went my way. Lesson was over. 
But I was preparing for this and God just spoke to me like so many times we take our life through the mud and say, God, I paid for my life. I've got, I got my own life. I'm in charge. And God's saying, you didn't pay for nothing in your life. You didn't enable yourself to do anything. Like I gave you breath and air and life and gave you everything you have and gave you your connections and gave you your business smarts and your mind for math and your mind for teaching and your mind to survive. And I gave you and I brought you and I, and I've paid for you. Come on. I enabled you. God says the mud is not in your design. When you're facing temptation, look within. Look at who he's called you to be. So look ahead. Look ahead. Look within. Look around. Stand to your feet with me. Let me pray for you today. I think some of you right now are facing different temptations. We all do. And I want to pray for several things, and then I want to give you a chance to just actually surrender your life to Christ if you never have. I don't know where everybody's walk with God is. Some of you might be uh, walking close with God some of you might be far away from God this morning but I know this you're all tempted we're all tempted and and I think some of you this morning right now have either either been drawn away or enticed and you know right now you're on the hook you've been caught you've been Satan's got you in an area no one's looking around I'm not going to judge you or bring you forward or embarrass you but but what I want to do by the Holy Spirit power Satan's kind of got you on the hook and the only one that can get you off the hook is Jesus and he's here to do that and, and some of you here this morning have temptation dangling right in front of your face. You might not necessarily have taken the hook yet or bit the bait yet, but you've got the bait hanging right in front of you. And you know it. And you know that it's right there in front of your face. And, you, and, you're, and you're worried and that you don't have the strength or the wisdom or the, or the capability of saying no to that. And you need strength today not to take the bait, not to bite. I want to pray for that wisdom and that strength, that, that way of escape, that way out. Those of you that have taken the bait, you're, you're struggling with how to come clean, with how to, how to be honest, how to, how to tell the truth. You're worried about your reputation sometimes more than your reward. And God's saying, no, 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 if you'll, just, if you'll just worry about your reward and me, I'll take care of your reputation. If you'll just be honest and real. Some of you need the strength to have the right conversation, to, to say sorry, to fess up, to be real about it, to get off the hook. But only Jesus can get you off the hook. But you've got to be honest about being on the hook. Some of you know that if you have that conversation or you tell the truth about that scenario that things might change radically, and it might. But God's got your back. God's got your back. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Jamie, I've, I've, I've taken the bait or I've bit the hook and I need off the hook or, or I'm facing right now a, a, a temptation that I need strength to overcome. No one looking around. If you say, pray for me, I, I need strength, I need wisdom. I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up to me. Is that you, anybody in this place? Just slip your hand up to me. I've taken the bait. or I've, I've, I'm being tempted right now. Come on, I see that. I see that. Come on, God bless you. Father, you know all of our, our temptations. You know all of our struggles. You know every avenue, every facet. I pray right now for any temptation that's taking place in any of our lives that you would open the way of escape, that it would be so clear, so obvious, that you would put inside of us a hatred for the things that aren't you, that if it's not you, God, we want out. If you're not in it, Lord, we want out of it. Put that in our heart right now. Put that in my heart. Put that in our church's heart. If you're not in it, God, we want out of it. Put a hatred for, for sin and, and deception in our heart, Lord. We love people, but we, we, we just come after the enemy's strategies today, and we just ask you, Lord, to, to show us the truth of the hooks and the baits that the enemy uses. Lord, any, any conversation that needs had, any, any truth, any repentance, any confession, anything that anybody's facing in this room where they've gotten hooked, I ask you to give them the power to do what they need to do. Speak to them clearly about the plan they need to follow to get off the hook and to turn back to you. Thank you for repentance. 
It's just a gift that we can come home anytime, any moment. We turn back to you today just in faith that you love us and that you're good. And anybody in this room facing temptation, God, that needs wisdom to not take the bait, that needs a plan of escape, that needs strategy, Lord, I pray you give them wisdom and strength this morning by the Holy Spirit power. Holy Spirit, cut out of us anything that needs to cut out. Remove anything in our heart of a desire that shouldn't be there. We thank you for the strategies to overcome temptation. Just for another second, no one looking around. If you're here and you say, you know what, Jamie, I, I just need to surrender my life to Jesus. I've been fighting battles and trying to overcome temptation and trying to lead my own life, and I've kind of worn out doing it. The Bible says this, that really the only one that can get us off the hook, the only the hook of sin, and the hook of Satan's strategy is Jesus on the cross, that he went to that cross to get you and I off the hook of sin. We can't, we can't beat sin ourselves or temptation or we can't pay for it. Jesus paid for it. If you're here this morning, you say, man, I need a fresh start with God. I just need to surrender to Jesus. The Bible says that if you would do that, you get a fresh start. Not surrendering to good works or cleaning yourself up or never messing up or surrendering to church or anything like that. It's none of that. It's not rules or church or denomination. It's just saying, I, I surrender my, my life to Jesus. Jesus, I need you to lead my life. No one looking around here on three, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up if that's you. If you know you need a fresh start with God, maybe you walked with God closely at one point in your life, but you're away from him now or you're doing your own thing. Maybe you've been drug away and enticed by something. God's saying you can come back today. Maybe you've never surrendered. Today's your day. I want to pray for you. One, two, three. If that's you, put your hand up to me this morning. I need a fresh start with Jesus Christ. Come on, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Several hands. Come on, God bless you. I need a fresh start with God. What an amazing moment. Come on, let's pray, church. If you put your hand up, let's pray together in this prayer. No magic in the words, no magic in the prayer. It's just faith from your heart. Simple words. The words don't save. It's your heart of faith calling out to God. If you didn't put your hand up but needed to, put your heart up right now. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me on that cross to get me off the hook, to remove my sin and my shame and my guilt. I've been struggling and fighting my whole life to do it myself, but today I surrender. I surrender to you, Jesus. You are God. You are my God. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. Thank you for making me right with God and giving me a new heart and a relationship with heaven. Today, God, fill me with your spirit and lead my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. Several people saying yes to Jesus. What an awesome thing. Come on, people, all this morning. That's... It's worth it for individuals saying yes.